0: 兄の仲間だ。何が信頼だ。勝利とれた<音声> <あと逃げされた。音声> 실직이 간단히
1: even know what to say man that was a fucking incredible episode animation was on point story of course at this point we can expect what we can expect but come on y'all let's get it it's episode two of uh what y'all wow so my last entry was uh to say the least a little bit unorganized while it was my attempt to give you guys something unfiltered just to introduce you to me i felt it came out just like a monotone leroy jenkins basically somebody running out there not knowing what they're doing hands waving wildly in the wind Screaming in the most monotone voice, uh, impossible. <laughs> so, so now I've put words to paper, which forced me to think, which delayed me watching Super, but you know, so be it. It is what it is. But on to episode two, which is recorded after that fucking amazing episode of my reaction to Super, which is right now. And first, I have to say that I am so, so happy that no matter how they did it, that Frieza isn't the big bad at the end of this. All right. That was the first spoiler edit of in podcast history. Um, I had to edit out some stuff because I didn't want to spoil anything for anybody. And I almost just deleted everything, which would have been disastrous, but I didn't. All right. So here we go. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that Frieza is not the big bad anymore. Um, if you pay attention to spoilers, you know what I'm talking about? If not, don't pay attention to them unless you want to find them. They're readily available on every YouTuber site that's talking about Dragon Ball on the internet. Um, him and Freezer ready to lay down, like ready to get down. That was in a that was a great shot. Um, the problem with Super and there are many. But one is the timeline. Um, two, the animation was terrible in the beginning. It's found its footing. It's getting better. They're bringing in old animators. Um, I think with this episode, I'm not sure. I haven't seen the translation for the, um, credits yet. But it looked very, uh, marine for which is what I'm hearing they're going for in the movie that's coming out in December. Uh, which, when you see it, I didn't know what to expect because One Piece, uh, Marineford, if you don't know what I'm talking about, is an arc in One Piece. Um, the Marineford arc, the animation is very fluid. Um, it's compared to, okay, Luffy is basically Mr. Fantastic. For those who are comic book, uh, literally a little bit, he's been in fantastic Four, the movie with Jessica Alba, uh, couple of terrible ones, the guy that could stretch. So Luffy is a martial artist who has that ability. He's made of rubber, his fight scenes. Um, most of the time, sometimes he encases his body in a type of armor, or something that allows him to move very fast and very fluid. And as wild as it may seem, his rubbery arms flailing and punching it everywhere looks amazing. It looks incredible. And so able being able to bring that type of fluidity and that type of movement to super with characters who have a normal human body structure, um, it allows for what you saw with that punch when Goku got pissed. Um, I don't think that you would have seen that in earlier episodes of Super. So that was a plus for me. That is ep- uh, uh, evidence or, you know, just, just one thing to show that the animation is getting better. But like I said in the beginning, the animation was poor. Um, another problem I had at the beginning of super, um, when I found out they were redoing the movie arc, um, unlike Boruto, I, um, it made me sad and uninterested. The only thing that brought me back was the trunks arc. Um, the trunks arc was very intricate at first. Um, it felt like I was, um, it felt like I was really, going back on this mission again with trunks uh we know trunks came back from the f- came back from the future with the tr- um with the sail arc and um this arc started off great like i said but towards the end it just found itself digging itself out of a hole um by convoluted stories with zamas Black Goku, um, the Tournament of Power, look like it's going to end the same way, if you ask me, it's just my honest opinion, uh, they've dug their self in a hole, I don't know uh, if it's because of the sudden stoppage, or because the story just fell off, but like I said, Super has been blessing us with some gems as far as moments go. My ears perk and my heart stumbles when I hear the desperate attack. Um, every time that song comes on, you know, that something is going to happen. The writers, uh, the composers, they get with each other. They find the moment in the script. When are we going to make the audience just feel like it's a desperate moment for this character? And then they insert it perfectly into the episode. Um, when I, And then when I hear Ultra Instinct, uh, I don't know, I can't explain to you the hype that overcomes because every time, except maybe one or two times when he was fighting Kefla, but every time the Ultra Instinct thing plays, you know that something epic is going to happen. I have that terrifying Exciting feeling when you at the highest drop of the newest roller coaster. Um, you just, you know, that feeling that you get, and your body tenses up and you know that it's going to just explode. And Goku's ferocity was what you would expect as Jiren not only threatened, he threatened his friends, but really just the bystanders that were watching this tournament, Goku's already pissed off that universes have been erased because of something that he's done. And during, because of whatever reason, now you want to just attack all of the gods of destruction. Like what kind of shit what kind of sense does that make? Like why wouldn't the Omni King just eliminate him right there? Like how are some of these things being allowed? Um, Again, the problems with super. And I mean, I just feel like if we as a community can point these things out, what are, what are they thinking in the writer's room? I swear I would just like to know. That's, I I just want to know. Uh, and you know, don't ask me, ask anybody, put out a poll on Twitter, you know, email, send somebody a letter. I don't know. Text somebody. Beepers. Somebody got a beeper or two-way something. I don't know, man. All I'm saying is I wish they would just. <sighs> anyway. Um. But where was I? Oh, okay. But, yeah, Jaron was tripping. I don't know what. What the hell he was thinking, but he got bitch slapped just like he should have. And Goku responded in kindly. Um, I don't really don't understand why Goku hasn't knocked him off at this point. Um, it got to a point to where they obviously indicated and they showed that the ultra instinct, which Goku is in, and I'm actually have the definition of ultra instinct here for you guys. Because what he is in, what Goku is in with the silver hair, this is Ultra Instinct. His first transformation when he went to the black hair, he was moving really fast. That was called Ultra Instinct Omen or just Omen. Um, that I've heard a couple of different translations, but um, here we go. When here we go with the what is Ultra Instinct. Megate no Gokui is a very rare and highly advanced mental state. It is very hard even for the gods to attain, let alone master. Um, Certain words, um, a lot of things become lost in translation between Japanese and English. Um, Certain words break down in Megate no Gokui as focus point. Um, Megate means selfishness. Um, so let's break it down the orders of which Goku attained the no Gokui uh as like I said first, it was ultra instinct omen or just omen, and it was just strictly defense um the body propels over both mind and hand reactions um basically. The body reacts, not dodges. Um, The body adapts on its own, but is not impenetrable, which means that if you fight an opponent long enough, no matter if they change their style or not from drunken boxing to the crane or, you know, Kung Fu to Tai Chi, the body will adapt automatically. That doesn't mean that you can't get hit. Um, that doesn't mean that you won't get whooped. It just means that your body will adapt to the style and it'll be able to react without you thinking. Um, this is evidence to when, um, Goku, uh, when people don't know when Goku and Vegeta were training with Weese, Weese was in Ultra Instinct Mode all the time. Um, there came a point in episode. 47? Nope. Episode. Oh, I can't even remember it. But I remember what happened. Goku, uh, Weasel got him in his hold, and Weasel was not expecting it, obviously, because Goku bit his ass. And we was in Ultra Instinct. So we was in this got- mastered Ultra Instinct mode, and Goku was able to buy him. So that just means that Goku is not impenetrable. Then it explains why when Jiren is firing attacks at him, they can hit. But at the same time, not only was Goku getting, Goku was getting hit, but it was a couple of times when he was just boss hogging Jiren. And I think he could have knocked him off. Um, Beerus used Ultra Instinct the first time in Battle of the Gods. Um, He used it when he was fighting, of course, when he was fighting Goku. Um, And so that is just a breakdown of Ultra Instinct, uh, the definition um, of the, the different transformations. When he was first in was Omen what he's in with the silver hair and the transformation is full on ultra instinct. Um, and so, like I said, I don't know why he couldn't just knock Jaren off, man. Uh, Cause he was simply eviscerating him, but for whatever reason, Jaren powered up again. And I just, at this point, I don't know if the writers don't care or if they have been told to just do whatever you want, but Hey, writers of dragon ball supers, keep getting them checks. I ain't mad at you, but we see what y'all doing. And all we can do is just wait and see what kind of shit they're going to pull out of their ass for the next episode. Um, I don't have any faith for the last two episodes. I literally don't. Um, my motto in life and a lot of things is to expect the worst and when the best happens you'll be surprised and I'm definitely expecting the worst with Dragon Ball Super Uh, (laughs) it just it is uh, anyway on to our next review Violet Evergarden Okay. Mm-hmm. Alright you guys, alright so I don't know when I'm going to be reviewing Episodes, I don't know if I'm going to be Doing instant reaction reviews Like I just did with Super for Um, uh, 130 I don't know if I'm going to be doing them a couple Of days afterwards like I'm doing with Uh, Violet Evergarden here I just don't know, I don't know I don't know Unfortunately it's adult life I live I have to pay the bills So you know, I, Get from work, and I want to make sure when I bring it to y'all that I bring it correct, um, that I'm bringing it good content, content that I'm comfortable with, um, and that I just think that you guys want to hear. So let's get on the Violet Evergarden, man. Yo, this episode they did whatever possible to pull at the heartstrings um first of all this episode this anime is beautifully drawn um violet evergarden um is going to take you guys into the world of violet evergarden um hold on right here and get to my notes okay here we go all right so First of all, this girl Violet is Violet Evergarden revolves around the main character. Her name is Violet Evergarden. She's fourteen. She's an orphan. She was basically a child Rambo. And when I say child Rambo, um, she's Deadpool, Wolverine, and Deadshot mixed in one, and Chuck Norris a little bit. Uh, the fight scenes are done amazingly. Um, she's not a robot. She's not a cyborg. She was raised to be a weapon. Um, when she's found, um, she's found by a general who takes compassion upon her because her, his brother, um, general Gilbert's brother was going to, I don't know if he was going to, if the girl was, um, being tossed around, um, in a sexual manner, um, When we meet her, she's disheveled. And so General Gilbert says that he'll take the girl. Um, His brother says, what do you want her for? She's nothing but a tool. Uh, And he says that he's going to use her. And then the brother says, well, here, I hope she helps you on the battlefield. When he takes her in, he treats her nothing like that. Um, They actually have some great flashback scenes. I love flashback scenes that are done right. Um, they don't have to be whole episodes. Flashback scenes can be different moments in different episodes. Uh, and they integrated that perfectly in the Violet Evergarden. Um, they had one episode, maybe two episodes back. This is episode 14, I believe. Um, maybe two or three episodes back where they showed when, this inter- this transaction first takes place between the br- brothers and she wouldn't even let him feed her. She was literally reacting like a rabid dog. Um, the lack of uh, communication, vocal communication, uh, should I say, was carried out perfectly. Uh, it showed how it was, it translated better when Violet warmed up to Gilbert and Gilbert only because she reacted as a rabbit dog would when she became close to him. And the fact that she was already a weapon when they showed the war scenes, it made them play out so much more beautifully than if they were to just say, here's this girl who was trained from birth to do this, take her with you. It, it brought heart to the kills that she made, if that makes any sense at all. Um, the writer is Yui Ishikawa. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the voice actor for Violet Evergarden is Yui Ishikawa. I know the pronunciation is terrible. I am so sorry. My Japanese sucks. I have Japan-English from watching anime, so that'll only take me so far. The English voice for Violet Evergarden is Erica Harlocker. Um, they both do a beautiful job. Um, the writer for uh, Violet Evergarden is Riko Yoshida. And this makes perfect sense because she was a main writer for D gray man, which is one of my original three anime that got me started down this path. And when I found that out, it was so amazing. But then when I found out that she also was a writer, uh, creator for episode 47 of Dragon Ball Super and then I rewatch episode 47 of Dragon Ball Super and this is in the Future Trunks arc and this is one of the saddest episodes in the Future Trunks arc it is uh the death right before the death of Bulma um, Future Trunks Bulma um so many and that just that doesn't even encapsulate Encapsulate the sadness of the episode So to know that she's behind this Makes perfect sense And I know that this show Is going to be in perfect hands As long as it goes um, As long as she's behind it I have no worries at all Um, And oh yes Did I mention she's 14 At the start of the show So that means The flashback scenes when she's in war, killing these people, ripping their heads off, all with a hatchet and a rifle. It is so amazing to know that this 10, 11, 12-year-old girl is out here wreaking havoc on battlefields full of men. uh, Going into buildings and extracting them all by herself. Is fucking amazing to think about, but visually it um, it satisfies as well. Um, oh yeah, I also forgot to mention that both of her arms are robotic. Yes, she lost them during the war, and to not be spoiler spoilerific, which I promise not to be, which they might slip out sometimes because. Uh, if they slip out, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna be able to catch everything. Um, at this point in my podcasting career, trying to edit out every edit, uh, every mishap and slip up would be painstaking, and I would drive myself crazy. And I don't want that. Um, but yes, she has two cybernetic arms. Um which makes it hard for her to transition into her current job. So, uh, after the war, after she was found, um, in a, in a wreckage, both her arms missing, she was, uh, healed, rehabilitated and taken under the care of a man who gave her a job of being a auto memory doll. Now, a, on a memory doll, what it started was, um, well, what it started as, um, a man was trying to help his dying wife, or oh, a dying man who just so happened, uh, well, I'm sorry, Blech. dolls were originally created by Dr. Orlin, he did this to help his blind wife, Molly, to write her books um, while she was dying, um, so it was basically to help carry out her will and testaments before she died. And it was a robot, so it could work all day at night transcribing her books. And this eventually led to, um, a creation of a job market to where young ladies eventually started to become auto memory dolls. Um, this transferred into something over the years, to where young um, houses would send their ch- um, their daughters to schools to be be trained to be auto memory dolls, and to a point to where the women would be the dolls in hopes of meeting a husband, a prince, or someone with with prestige, um, and you know. On the side note, you know that uh, I just said that uh, Dr. Orland created the robot dog to transcribe his um, blind wife's books. Uh, I'm not gonna do that joke. <laughs> I have to censor myself sometimes. My brain goes a lot of different places. And if I don't censor it, it will probably get me in trouble like it does a million percent of the time. Um, I don't know if I can compare Violet Evergarden to anything. Um, it's unlike anything that I've ever seen. Um, the heart, like I said, the heart that goes into every episode it seems like something that would go into a plot of a movie. Um, I mentioned to, um, I mentioned, I can't remember what I was talking to, but I just, a couple of episodes back, I think it was episode seven. I felt like that could have been the final episode. She went on a mission with this man who was an astrologist and they, um, these men lived in a seminary and they studied the stars and this once in a two, once every 200 years meteorite was coming. And so the men in the um, seminary knew that when they hired the dolls, all these beautiful women would come. So they do what men do. They take advantage of beautiful women about to come. They put on their best Brown cloaks possible. Um, so after they had these, um, dolls transcribing these books that were about to fall apart which is another reason that they were there um if they had the courage they asked the dolls out to watch this meteor come through um viola's transcriber or uh, the guy she was working with he had a snobbish attitude towards the dolls he was just like oh they just pretty women that want to meet a rich man and I don't know why he had a problem with him really it just seemed contrived anime does that sometime whatever but of course throughout the episode violet changes his way of thinking and he gets um a boner and as we know the power of boners overcomes anything so um you know the power of his boner overcame him to accepting violet And he had this tragic backstory with his parents. I told y'all not to spoil the guy. You can watch it if you want to know. Had this tragic backstory, which caused him to stay there when he really didn't need to. And he ventured off. Um, It had this touching scene at the end. Um, He was reaching out to say goodbye to her. And they, in the middle of saying goodbye, They were transitioning into flashbacks of them getting closer. Um, It's another just example of the show using flashbacks so incredibly well. Um, um, But this moment he says goodbye. And you don't know if she hears him or not. But this is in the middle of her um, having these feelings for this certain person. And there are feelings that you understand why she has, but she has them and doesn't understand why. And it looks like this guy, this monk introduced those feelings, but from him. And it was something that she was willing to accept. And it was maybe a 15 to 30 second animated moment. And it conveyed all of those emotions in those 15 to 30 seconds. Um, which is some of the subtleties of why I like Violet Evergarden. Uh, It's not that I'm some sap that likes to sit down and watch things that are going to make him cry for 15 to 20 minutes. No, that is not what I do. Although some people may think that, Um, but no, I like to watch things that are beautifully done. I appreciate artists that try things different or do things that are different than what I'm used to. They may be, same old, same old for them, but when I come across it and it's new to me and I see and I latch on to it and I gravitate towards it, and I try to learn everything that I can and swallow it up. And the people that I find out that are behind it, that created, I want to know their motivations and why they created this, how they did this, their previous history, their backstories um, watching old works of art. Like I said, I watched that old episode of Dragon Ball Super and the outline and the, the, the voice of Violet Evergarden was speaking through that episode before Violet Evergarden was even coming. So, um, that's just another little tidbit of insight as into why I love and watch anime. Um, It looks like we're coming up on that time, guys. Um, I don't know how long this is going to go. Um, when I do these things, um, I did write things down. I hope that it sounded better to you guys. I tried some things with the music and some transitions and man, um, I'm going to always try different stuff. I'm not afraid to fail. Um. I I want to do things until, you know, I just get tired of it. Or somebody says, please stop slim. Like, please stop slim. Wop. Wop, dude. So, um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I hope you guys check out, uh, Dragon Ball Super, the latest episode, Crunchyroll, um, Verve uh, you know, whatever legal platform, you check it out, same as Violet Evergarden, you know, um, you know, um, and what I might do at the end of every week, or, um, maybe at the beginning of every episode, I might just drop a nugget about an anime, or, something that I've watched or that I want to watch, or maybe we can start watching something together. You guys like I'm open to all types of opinions. And um like I'm said, comments and questions you guys hit me up. I officially started um a Gmail. It's a uh, what three, one, three at com. That's three H's H A T three, one, three the numbers at gmail.com uh, and yeah um appreciate you guys this is a late St Patrick's Day episode I wore some green today I think Uh don't know how green underwear you will never know if I did or if I didn't I catch you guys on the next episode man everybody stay positive. And learn something new every day, man. Peace. Holla at y'all.